بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد بل هو آيات بينات في صدور الذين أوتوا العلم وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من سن سنة حسنة فله أجرها وأجر من عمل بها إلى يوم القيامة من سن سنة حسنة وفي رواية من دعا إلى هدى كان له من الأجر مثل أجور من تبعه the Prophet said, whoever starts, initiates, innovates, introduces a new good path, a path towards goodness, a path to following goodness, something to facilitate goodness, something to start others and help others and encourage them to do good, then the person who started this, who encouraged this, who facilitated this, he gets the reward of this along with all of those people who do that act. So let's just say that somebody encouraged several people to donate in a particular cause, then all of those people inshallah according to their intention should get a reward for their donation. And this person who encouraged them, who started the relief organization or who just done a fundraiser, with uh, sincerity and who just uh, encouraged everybody else to donate to that same cause, he gets the reward of all of those people who he's encouraged. Now just imagine how that racks up. Just imagine how that will eventually total up if you've done this for years and years and years. And especially if you've chosen a means of goodness which has great potential to proliferate even more. It basically will take a life of its own. It will take up a life of its own and it will continue and continue and continue. And that's why one of the best forms of Sadaqah Jariyah is that. For example, let's just say that somebody who came to this country, who goes to any country where there's not much going on when it comes to Islam. Just think about this, right? Imagine there's a country where there's not much going on in terms of Islam. There may be a few Muslims there who've come and these Muslims primarily came there for economic reasons. Right, economic migrants as such, they're there. Their main focus is essentially to make a living, to survive in this place, right? Which they're they're facing maybe racism, right? Because you know they're from maybe third world countries. Their color may be different, right? Just just imagine this scenario, and they're struggling, <clears throat> and uh, for them to even call out their faith or to practice their faith, to ask time off on a Friday, they'd be lucky to get a job in the first place. And if they get a job, then to ask for time off. For prayers in winter, Asr is at 3 o'clock, Maghrib is at 4 o'clock, and then for Friday prayer. Can you imagine how difficult that is? That's why you have these ideas of, or these, uh, these, these ideas that some people wanted to, because they couldn't get a Friday, they wanted to make Jummah on a Sunday. Subhanallah. I mean, they, they, you get, you, you've got these stories from different places, alright? So imagine you're in a place like that. <clears throat> Muslims have been there for a few years and they're just struggling and they're trying to get by. And you decide 
to take a building in the middle of nowhere, literally, far from where other Muslims even live. So you decide to take because you are really driven. And the one thing or the reason why you're driven is because you've got teachers, you've got a sheikh, you've got a, a teacher, uh, a mentor, somebody who you really, really love, you'd really trust their connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they tell you to go to this country and to start up a seminary, a madrasa, right? Where people are just about surviving, where the Muslims are just about surviving. So you go and you basically go and approach different people and people think that you're crazy. People think that how are you going to do this? There's no infrastructure. Where's the demand going to come from? Who's going to come and support you, in the, especially in the middle of nowhere? Who's going to do all of these things? But there's something in it which drives you. And this has to come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Otherwise, there's very few people who think out of the box like this. There's very few, th- few people who, have in, who are inspired like this, who have that kind of a high resolution, who try to go against all odds for the sake of a higher cause. Right? You look at any cause in the world in which somebody has done something, right? it has to be somebody who defied all odds, generally speaking. Because if everybody's doing it, then that thing is not special anymore. Because everybody's doing it. It's easy to do what other people have already done. But when you have found a gap, a necessity, an obligation, a good cause that nobody else is doing, it's a need, subhanallah, then there is huge reward for that because the efforts are going to be much more different. right? For us now to start something new in London is easy. The environment is there. The support system is there. The infrastructure is there. It's very easy now. Still not everybody does it, but there's a lot more people doing it than they did 30 years ago. Right? To start off a masjid, an institute, uh, some kind of whatever it may be, whether that be an online teaching portal, whether it be da'wah in other I mean, we've just been, subhanAllah, the, w- w- what, w- what we're speaking about right now is basically England about 30 years ago, beginning 1970s. And who I'm speaking about is our Sheikh Hazrat Mona Yusuf Mutala Saab. And the reason I speak about him today is because it's only when people become sick, when people are in a critical condition, when people are maybe uh, uh, on their deathbed, right? Or when people die, that's when we generally begin to appreciate what really they've done. So I'm taking this occasion because he traveled to Canada recently, and that's where he took ill, he had a heart attack. And he's in hospital, so we're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make dua for him. But a lot of people who are going to be listening to this may not know who he is. What's all the fuss about? Why are so many people around the world in various different countries, why are they making dua for him? Why so much sadaqah being given on his behalf? Why so many awrad and so many adhkar? Why are so many awrad and adhkar and remembrances being done uh, for that barakah so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, cr- grants him a cure, a complete cure? And it's not beyond Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to do that. It is not beyond Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's power to do that. It's happened so many times in the past, uh, especially sadaqah and adhkar. These are all they ward off, they, they, they ward off difficulties and they ward off this because... The point is this, that yes, he's done all of this work and he continues to do the work. And the people who are now doing the work that and continuing the work that he started, 
they take great inspiration from him. Just like he took inspiration. Now, if you read his story, and I'm not going to go through his biography today, I just want to give you some personal interactions because I literally spent nearly, by the time I was 22 years old, I had spent nearly half of my life with him in Darlumberry. So in that sense, I could probably say he's a second parent, right? Definitely a spiritual parent. And to be honest, I mean, I don't do much, but anything that I do, and not just me, anything that's even many of my teachers do, like Maulana Abdurrahim Saab, Mufti Shabir Saab, and many of the others, whether you talk about Sheikh Riyadul Haq, whether you talk about Maulana Ahmed Ali, Mufti Muhammad, uh, Al-Kawthari, you talk about all of these people, all of this is his Sadaqah Jariya. Like I can say that, you know, whatever I want to say, I, there's nothing I can do to stop that. It's all of his Sadaqah Jariya. His intention is correct. He gets all of this reward for as long and then everybody that benefits through these individuals and the multitudes of others. Just, it, this is such a big investment. This is so huge that, subhanAllah, I mean, there are some ulama who told him that it doesn't matter what you do after, what you do now, you're sorted. People have told him that in the last 10, 15, 20 years. Because what he did for England, I guarantee you that everybody sitting here and everybody who's going to listen to this has has benefited right has benefited from his work so the thing is that anybody who's listening would have benefited from him right in some way or the other not necessarily directly but through something that either he set up directly or something that one of his students had have set up or one of his grand students have set up you know he started this one madrasa in the UK Darlumberry in Holcombe Right, which is up north, in the middle of nowhere. I mean, I studied there for, for 10 to 11 years. So I know exactly what kind of a place it was in those days. It was an old TB hospital. Right? For a lot of people, it was quite scary. Right? Alhamdulillah, I never I used to walk around 1, 2 o'clock at night. It was never scary. There's no jinn there as far as I know. Never met one. Right? But for a lot of people, because it's such an old building and it's been renovated so many times, but to put so much effort in that place and so much barakah came from that place, you could probably say that after the subcontinent, after India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, etc., the subcontinent, probably one of the first full-time, full-fledged, up to Bukhari madrasas is probably Darul Ulum in Berry. Now, South Africa is a much older community. You have to remember that. right? They've been there for over a hundred years. Muslims are here in terms of who we are now. I mean, maybe people came before as individuals, one or two here and there. But in terms of those who came, settled, and now have built up communities, late 50s. Right? So we're talking about 60, coming to 70 years approximately, right? Majority, I think, came in 60s. Very few came in the 50s, but the majority came in the 60s. <clears throat> South Africa's way beyond that. They've got four generations there, or more, five generations. They did have a madrasa, but it never went up to Sahih al-Bukhari, never had graduated, it was Mia's farm. A lot of people studied there. The first madrasa of the same kind, where it has full-fledged studies until the whole Ali Mia course, was probably Darlum Newcastle. And as far as I understand, that was after Darlum Berry. So to do that outside of the subcontinent, where there is an infrastructure, to do that in a place like this, where there's no infrastructure less than South Africa, for example, that's amazing. And then his brother does the same thing in Zambia, right? These were two brothers, that's the only family, two brothers. They've got numerous sisters, but the two brothers. And mashallah, Allah has chosen both of them. And this was, I think, primarily the focus of one man. And that is, Sheikh Zakaria Kandalwi Rahmatullahi Alayhi.
of Saharanpur was a great spiritual guide and so on. When he came, he said, this is what you need to do. You need to start a madrasa. He took his sheikh's word, tawakkul on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, following the Prophet. Because if you sit in any of uh, Hazrat Mawlana Yusuf Sahib's bayans, if you listen to any of his lectures, in fact, even his books, there's only two personalities that he talks about in pretty much every lecture of his. There has to be the discussion of two personalities. One is the Prophet sallallahu wasallam. And number two is the Shaykh. I don't think you can listen to any of his lectures without him mentioning those two people. Right? That's his insight. You can tell he's a man who's just profoundly driven by these two individuals and that's sufficient for him. You've got the Prophet ﷺ on your side and you've got your Shaykh who takes you to the Prophet ﷺ because that's where you learnt your Hadith from, your Sahih al-Bukhari. That's where you got your inspiration from, your spirituality from. Right? That's the one you, you trust their words and that's it. That has been sufficient for him. It's been 30, 40 years, probably more than that, right? And it's, it's that, that is what we see in front of us. His students, his graduates have started other madrasas in the UK. Lancaster, huge girls' madrasa, is Monana Fazl Haq, who's basically a graduate of Darlun Berry. IDA, Islamic Dawah Academy in Leicester, Mona Salim, all the wonderful work that they're doing, right? Huge, huge work. And look at the benefit they've spread. Again, he is one of the graduates. In fact, he was in uh, Dawratul Hadith Bukhari when I first joined Darlum in 1985, right? And numerous others, numerous others. And then you go to Portugal, you go to you go to Zimbabwe, you go to uh, uh, you, you you go to places like uh, Barbados, uh, Trinidad, Canada, USA. It's just huge. That's why I say the amount of sadaqa jariya that's there is, is absolutely amazing. Just recalling some of the incidents during our interaction there in Darlum, he was just... There was hardly anybody, any student, who spoke bad of him. It, you know, some, I, I've, I've spoken to many friends from other places and so on. There'll be somebody who criticizes the teacher. They've got a criticism or something. But for some reason, the one unique feature, none of the students have I ever seen criticize him. You know, nobody's beyond criticism. Everybody has weaknesses. Everybody has defects. There's no doubt. We're not saying he's a prophet or anything like that, right? Only prophets are beyond that. But even prophets are being criticized by, by their detractors. But what I'm trying to say here is that he was just loved by all. Just never seen. This is very unique. Because the amount of self-control and tolerance, wisdom, uh, j- just, just huge amount of prudence that he had in the way he dealt with people at that time was just amazing. That's my interaction I'm talking about. He got angry when it was necessary, not to say no. But then, mashallah, because I, I had the fortune of looking after his old, his old room where he used to initially live before he moved out because the phone used to be situated in that room after office hours and I was in charge of looking after the phone and sometimes a phone would come for him and I would not be present, I would have left the room and he would get a bit upset but then he would always forgive me. And that was a very coveted room and I didn't want to lose that opportunity, right? To, uh, to, to be thrown out of that room. Uh, numerous interactions like that. There are so many other stories that we can mention in terms of just his understanding of what you want without you saying it. Numerous times, certain things that you didn't want to do a thing in a certain way and somehow he figures that out and he tells you to do something else. It's like, how did you know? I didn't even tell you. Numerous incidents like that. We don't have time to open up to this. I just want to use this occasion to tell you people out there 
who this great man is, right? I should have spoken about him years ago. But I said, you only start realizing the ni'mah and the bounty and the benefits once you think you might lose them. Inshallah, Allah will give him a long life with iman, a, a lot more work. As I said, he's done. He, he, he's done what he had to do, right? Alhamdulillah, if he does no more, inshallah, it's more than sufficient for him. But the benefit is for people like us. The benefit for all of those who are so sad and so grieved because he is in this state right now. And it's, this is our tradition. You have to remember that this is the sunnah of our tradition. To always be under somebody's instruction. And I don't say this lightly. I don't say this just rhetorically. I say this because the world is a nasty place. It could be a dangerous place. Once you become arrogant, let's just say that I become a bit famous, I begin to do a few things that people appreciate, I get complimented, I get praised, suddenly I start feeling independent, that I can make my own decision. Then there will be people who will say, do it this way, change this around a bit and do it this way because it will attract more people. Your focus then becomes attracting more people. And then you could be basically going beyond boundaries of the Sharia. At the end of the day, you're trying to uh, facilitate for the Sharia but you're using the wrong means so to have somebody that you can always take inspiration from guidance from to benefit from their wisdom their huge experience the trouble for somebody to have gone to establish something that he has done I that kind of trouble is no longer around in the UK because it the the the, the field is open now it's facilitated it's it's ready for growing. It's ready for planting. Whereas what he did, there was nothing going on. He had to toil the fields. He had to prepare everything. So that experience. And subhanAllah, his, his, uh, his wife, Kala, who we call fondly Kala, right? Uh, which means auntie. The amount of support she gave him, right? Uh, cooking for the students at the beginning when you know, there were just a few students. And the amount of support that she would give the, what you can learn from such people and their guidance and so on is, is what's amazing. That's why it's our benefit for him to be here longer. And it's the benefit of the entire Muslim Ummah for him to be here. Because as I said, anybody who's listening to this cannot say that they've not taken some benefit from some way through him or one of his students or something he set up. I don't think you can escape it anymore in, in the UK or something. You know, there's a benefit. Whether that be a book somebody's written, whether that be an institution, whether that be a madrasa, that be a masjid, whether that be an imam, whether that be whatever the case is. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give him shifa kamila, a complete afiyah, complete, uh, complete recovery. And uh, we will suggest to everybody to do what they can do for the sake of the Muslim ummah. Basically that the, the, this, this man... He, he has had huge benefit to the Muslim Ummah. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to follow in that footsteps and accept us uh, for the service of his deen as he has accepted him as well.